Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Big thanks to all the subscribers who check us out every single week, multiple times a week. There's new interviews uh, debuted every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So thank you all for checking us out. If you're not a subscriber, uh, please do hit that subscribe button uh, as we get started here. Uh, if you love music, if you love uh Getting to know how the uh, the art is made, hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with this and, uh, and maybe uh, give a series of rating, leave a review as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, I'll once again be talking with Greg Gonzalez of the band Cigarettes After Sex. They've got a brand new record called Cry. It's the sophomore record. And we're going to get into many of the different angles that make up this LP. First, how location has always been very important to Greg about uh, how he creates his art and, and how that location makes the music sound. Speaking of that sound, Cigarettes After Sex has a very defined, definitive sound. That's not by accident. And it's not coincidence that the two records sound so close together musically. In fact, Greg will tell us exactly why that is, and it's a, it goes in with his larger vision of what this band is and what they will be. We'll also talk about how cinema plays a big part in how he writes and his hopes to get into that more. Uh, scoring, soundtracking, maybe even acting. He lives in Los Angeles now, so anything's possible with that as well. And then there's the lyrics. If you've listened to a Cigarettes After Sex song, you know about the lyrics. They are very intimate. They talk about sex in great detail. So we'll hear some about what those details are with this record. One of the songs even focuses on a Japanese animated pornography. And there's some tributes on here, too. Uh, well, tributes or, or influences, however you want to throw that, but from unlikely sources that you might not think about when you consider this band. Artists like Shania Twain, Selena, Brooks and Dunn. They've all made their mark on Greg, and it's really interesting how they kind of funnel into this brand new record called Cry. It's Kyle Meredith with Cigarettes After Sex. 
Hey, this is Greg. You've got the new record, Cry, the uh, the official sophomore record for Cigarettes After Sex. And it's once again, it's a gorgeous record. Like, I don't know how you continue to do this, but you've you figured it out somehow. And uh, and here we are again. Congratulations. That's sweet of you to say. Yeah, uh, yeah really appreciate that. Yeah, let's see here, because, you know, I want to go through a bit of this, a few of the stories that have kind of been projected mm-hmm. out there. Um, a lot of artists say that location affects art, but I feel like when you've talked about where you recorded this record, it's something more specific than just the usual, this is where we recorded it and this is why we like that place. Yeah, it was, it was strange for me the way location kind of came about for, like, our recording process. And I kind of just found, I guess, growing up, like, I had the kind of recording all my stuff in a bedroom with a Tascam 8-track recorder since I was like 12 years old or something. You know, so I was kind of like used to this just like ease of almost kind of doing everything myself or something or just kind of being in like places that felt very intimate. So I found, I found when I went into a studio ever, um, like after or whatever, it just felt like I was kind of like in an office all of a sudden. And it never like, it never felt like the right place to be um, for the actual recording, like where we're actually making music. And so that kind of just stuck with me. And then... Later on, when we did the first EP in 2012, I had heard that uh, the Cowboy Junkies had done Trinity Session, uh, that record, in a like cathedral, just kind of overnight, like live. And I thought, oh, that's great. Like, Why don't I just do something like that? I mean, I just love the sound of that record, and I couldn't even tell it was live. And there's just something, some kind of strange X factor in that record that I was kind of looking for that I wanted our music to have. That's when we took it into a stairway. The stairway at my university, I thought, would be a good place to record somehow because it was so echoey and so crazy. I would just walk up the steps, you know, when I used to kind of go to class there, and I'd be talking to, like, a friend or something, and our voices would just become, like, this crazy, like, reverb tank as we were walking through the stairway. So I thought, why don't we get in there and just see, like, what kind of music uh, comes out of that? And then once we did that, that was kind of the eureka moment. That was like, okay, this is the record we made there and feels like the first real record I've actually ever made. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like something special had happened. So location became key after that as far as just like, let's get into locations that feel kind of a little bit strange, a little foreign to everybody and would add like a really complete atmosphere to the record and, and would give it, would become kind of a character in the record almost. Like the, I would say the stairway is definitely a character in that first record as is, um, you know, the, the house that we recorded this in in Mallorca became a character as well in this, like a very specific character. Just to, the whole atmosphere of that landscape was just put you in a different state of mind almost. It, it, it's interesting, too, because when I, when I think of a mood of a stairway, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, you think of concrete and, and, and harsh overhead lighting or whatever. And a house has, you yeah. know, obviously the idea is it's a very warm atmosphere, uh, a homey atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does that differenti- differentiate with the music of the of the two records, if at all, in that way? Oh yeah, like um, I think what that stairway did was it just gave us this ambience that we needed, where it kind of showed us how to slow down or something. Because if you played really fast in the stairway, it would just turn into total mush. <laughs> it would just become like just noise or something. So it made us slow the songs down even more. And I think once we did that, it's like oh, like there's something to making these almost like slower than you thought they should be. You know, like making the songs slower than, than you thought that that does something special to the songs. And um, I would say actually Mayorka did the same thing. It just like we were in this, you know, kind of surrounded by a desert and with a beach very nearby too, though, and just totally isolated in this house. And just I think that made us also just slow everything down. Cool thing about this was that we recorded most of this record even like outside which is kind of like one of the, I think that's that seems even more rare, I think, to me than, than a location recording is just recording something outside is kind of a weird one. Because you, you, so we, you lose control, I mean, or, or did you? Yeah. We feel like you lose control of, no, uh, of the sound. No, we did. Like, uh, I mean, recording outside was, was fun in a way because 
there was one night we were recording and, you know, we would start around 9 p.m. or something uh, in New York or like in this little courtyard. And one night we decided to kind of move to a different area, a little farther away that was outside, kind of like on the grounds. And, um, and it felt really good recording there. We were recording about 9 p.m. All of a sudden around 1 a.m. you just see like clouds start to gather. It's like, okay, like, you know, something's about to happen as a, like a storm's a brewing or something. <laughs> and same thing there, like you could start to hear like the murmur of thunder, you know, kind of getting into the record, which I thought was cool. But then it was like, okay, now we actually got to like run everything inside. And literally it starts to start to uh, sprinkle and we're just running all of our gear inside so it doesn't get soaked and destroyed. So it kind of gives you this like, uh, you know, you're like battling the elements a bit or something. Leaning into that sound, you know, you, as we were introduced in your first few singles, as obviously we were introduced in, 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 the, in the debut record, it sounds very natural with you how, how the music came to this, but a lot of bands do come at that moment like, oh, do we try something different than our first? Do, do we, but it seems like you oh, yeah. leaned into that sound. Yeah, for me, I just, like, I, I love bands that have, you know, shapeshifted a lot, or artists, like, I, I really love, you know, someone like Miles Davis or even Bowie in the 70s where they're kind of like chameleon, where they just keep moving and changing their sound, and I love that. But um, I think as an artist, uh, I wanted to be more of the, someone more like that was very uh, cohesive or something, like that kind of made records that are like kind of in this one world, almost like a painter like Mark, Mark Rothko or something, mm-hmm. or like, you know, like a Cocteau Twins even, you would say, is like pretty, like, pretty, stays pretty in their own world the whole time. They don't totally shift and become something different. They really stay within these kind of confines. Um, so I envisioned this being more like that, being more of a... A sound world that would be that would remain pretty cohesive and not kind of just develop into totally different things out of nowhere. You know, like kind of way like take like a right turn or something. Yeah, as an artist, I mean, you you have done other sounds in the past as you were searching for this sound. Do, do you foresee you ever like other mm-hmm. projects to kind of scratch that itch if it ever comes around? I think it's starting to feel like that because I mean, I, I love doing all this stuff, but I I do want to just experiment more. Just that's just how my mind kind of works and. And I kind of wondered, you know, and also just loving so much music, just so much different music, you know, daily almost, you know. I think it's funny when we meet fans because I think they assume that we're, we just listen to music that only sounds like us or something, you know. <laughs> like, what do you guys listen to? And we're like, oh, um, a Shania Twain record or something <laughs> I was listening to. Or listening to, you know, the new Camila Cabello single or whatever, basically, because I wouldn't tell them sometimes. Or I was listening to Master of Puppets, so it could be anything. But, um, you know, so it goes all over the map. So I think with that, I, it would be great to, to maybe try a different project that does that or something and see what happens. But cigarettes, I want to stay very precious with. It's, it's yeah, a it's really fun. interesting way in, in, uh, to, to kind of foresee a career. You know, it, it almost mm-hmm. sort of takes the pressure off. Like, you know what this is, and you can do anything that you want to mm-hmm. do outside of that. Yeah, you just kind of make this one thing. And, and like, yeah, it's, it's great. You can kind of do whatever you want outside of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, crazy even nowadays how artists can have their, you know, someone like Johnny Greenwood has like his, oh, he's a film composer now, right. a very great composer, but also have radio at the same time. It's, it's kind of intriguing when you see someone kind of do stuff like that. That seems like a path that uh, that, that, that you could be going on very, very soon. I mean, uh, you, yeah. you're notable uh-huh. as a very big cinema fan and everything, and, and it seems like your style of writing would fit that. Like, where is it? Because you live in L.A. now, mm-hmm. right? It's like that opportunity's there. Totally. And I think I kind of... I mean, I love New York. We're in New York right now, and I'm just, like, savoring every moment of, you know, walking down the street again in Williamsburg and, and just kind of having New York Falls is great. But yeah, I think uh, part of the move of, to go to L.A. is to actually maybe see how, how things would work if I tried to get more involved with cinema somehow, more involved with uh, whatever's happening in, in, in filmmaking in L.A. and see if it makes any impact on me or see if it, if it does anything pretty much. Because proximity is yeah. everything with, uh, with that type of career. Definitely. 
yeah, it's going to be something to it. Uh, I can't pass up. You did mention Shania Twain. You've, you've talked about Shania before and Selena. What was their influence on, on this record? Because, yeah, that's that's two I would not have expected to have heard you talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's strange. And it's almost like the way that we – it's hard for me not to just – there's things that I think would seem kind of random, or especially with, with fans, I think they'll be like, really, like, is that why like Shania Twain and why Selena and stuff like that? But it's almost the same kind of conversation as why did we cover um, – are you a speed wagon mm-hmm. <laughs> or why did we, why did we cover Brooks and Don, you know, with neon moon and all that. <laughs> and it's really just like, I'm just reacting to genuine emotions that I've had and, and saying like, this is an influence for me. Like, how do I take that influence and make it into, you know, my soul writing, like, you know, the, the thing that I'm putting all my writing into, which is cigarettes right now. And it's weird because I'd grown up listening to music like Selena and the music of Shania Twain, but I can't say I was into it in high school or anything or when I was around. So during that time, I was more focused on trying to, you know, listen to bands that were kind of outside the norm, and I wasn't really trying to go for mainstream things. So they were more just kind of the atmosphere of my childhood or something, you might say, or whatever. Um, but it wasn't until I got to New York that I started to reinvestigate some of this stuff and found that there was just, like, a song by Selena called Como La Flor that was, I don't know why, I just, like, really, I started to just love that song so much. And also, You're Still the One by, Selena, uh, by Shania Twain, sorry, which is, you know, a very huge song, but it's I just started to really appreciate that song for some reason. I was able to kind of look past like all the whatever whatever negative connotations I might have had of that song before. We were able to kind of melt away, and I was able to just enjoy it again. But the way the way that that relates to this record is that those two songs basically inspired two songs on the new record. And um, you're still the one inspired uh, our newest single, "Falling in Love." Just like the feeling of that, I just thought, let's. I want to write a song that feels kind of like you're still the one, but if I was to write something like that. And so Falling in Love to me is kind of like supposed to be like a 90s country song a bit. And uh, another song called Kiss It Off Me takes that Selena song and kind of uses that as the the starting point and then goes obviously in a radical direction as far as the storytelling of it. Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of the backbeat, I thought, is like that. So so just that, just those influences were exciting to me because I just felt like they were a little outside the world enough to be interesting to bring in to stimulate something with this mm-hmm. style. As music always tends to come around in various ways. Stuff that wasn't cool eventually becomes cool with a new generation. There's still something that feels dirty about saying 90s country. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't think that is totally, you know, it's, it's strange like, um, you know, bands like Foreigner and Journey or, you know, or lauded, like people, you know, enjoy that now, like Sticks or something, right. like, stick, like stuff that wasn't, you know, I think the generation, my generation now, like, likes that music. And I think there was a time where we were like, kind of all like, no, that's not cool. That you can't say like journey or whatever. <laughs> but now it's very like just openly liked. Um, but the nice country thing doesn't quite seem there yet, and especially the, like with uh, people that I know and stuff, they're kind of like, oh, not really. <laughs> like I'm not on board with Garth Brooks and and uh, <laughs> Brooks and Dunn and right. and uh, Glenn Black or you know all these kind of people. It was it was all around. I, you know, I, I grew up in in rural Kentucky, and obviously that was it. That right. was that was pop music right there. But it's okay. not it's not something I've even made peace with, as I have with so <laughs> right. much other music. It's like, oh, I know it. I know those songs. But but yeah, I think maybe you know you're like, all right, I've heard this plenty of times, and uh, and I felt that way too. It just some, somehow it just changed for me. I don't I don't know how. It just became like, oh, actually. I like this stuff now again. You know, uh, it's, it's some lyrical thematics here. You, you you frequently veer towards intimacy in, in all the various ways. What takes you in that direction? What why Is it similar to what you were saying with you found a sound and that becomes the sound of cigarettes after sex? Does that also mm-hmm. kind of detail where the lyrics go? 
I think so. I, I feel like I'd done the same thing like you. The way you, almost like lyrics and music are like two different things in my mind a little bit. So the trying, the way to marry them together was like a, was kind of a weird thing as I started to grow up. I just felt like I wasn't, I could like write music very quickly, but lyrics were always something that I would have to take a while to do. But I guess that was the exciting part about it. Like it shouldn't just be easy. There should be some kind of struggle between something like, you know, kind of going on behind the scenes with the writing. Um, but, I'd, you know, I'd written lyrics in all kinds of styles, basically. And then I, once I started writing kind of more things that were more personal to the point where they become 100% personal, like on the stuff we did before, that felt very, pretty much like empowering a bit. It felt like, okay, like now I have like a place to kind of get feelings out that I didn't even know I had or something in regards to things I've gone through, in regards to memories and, and all that. And it just started to feel way more powerful, way more genuine. There was just something about that rather than the stuff I was doing before that was more like cryptic and kind of impressionist style lyrics where just, you know, you're kind of getting someone just kind of painting like a picture for you that doesn't exactly tell like a narrative story. Um, So yeah, I think I kind of got caught in this kind of narrative thing and it was very related to relationships and trying to just be honest about relationships and knowing that what I was missing from a lot of uh, writers was that I I just wouldn't hear like, I just wanted to hear more romance stuff from them, I guess, or something. I wanted like a whole record that was all romance songs, all songs about love. And also to just include, you know, the things that were missing from it that I thought were important, which were, you know, like the intimacy and in a way to talk about sex in like a positive way or just an open way or even a humorous way or, you know, there's just all those things were, were kind of missing from a lot of music I saw. Yeah. So I do think I kind of, I've been in that mode for a while and it is kind of the storytelling that I like in the songs that feels like it, it's kind of solidified a bit. I'm sure like maybe, you know, I'll go through different phases with some of that stuff, but it feels like it's pretty much where it might stay for a while it's a debate i have a lot of times with with other songwriter friends when when they talk about you know how some of them will go the old train of well you want to make it universal and i i say you know the songs i connect with to mostly are the really really specific songs to whatever that person went mm-hmm. through i said those are the universal moments to me because and i and I, I get that in your that's songs great. they're very specific moments that i can kind of hone in on that i appreciate yeah that's great that's cool that you saw the same way it's strange to me, like, even a song like It Was a Very Good Year by Sinatra is pretty much like what I'm trying to write is just how do you kind of tell a narrative and then, what, like, the details you leave out are kind of exciting, too. And, you know, I just love, you know, or famously Raincoat by Leonard Cohen or something like that, where it's just, like, I just love that it's a narrative. Um, there's all these really detailed things in it that are kind of unexpected. Um, so that was a big one. You know, just even the title of that song is just very strange, first of all. I, I should ask about one specific, too. Uh, like... What is, since we're talking specifics, what is hentai? Am I saying it right? Hentai? <laughs> yeah, hentai. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, hentai is just like, you know, it's hentai is pretty much animated, you know, pornography from Japan, um, you know, for the most part. It's like, so it has it has to do with like a lot of anime themes. Like if you've ever watched anime, it's mm-hmm. very fantastic and over the top and stuff. And so hentai just pretty much brings more pornographic elements into that world, which is why it's so kind of a bizarre art form, I would say. If you even if you even, even even want to call it that, I think some people would say, you know, how do you do you even call porn an art form, or do you call it um, just say that it's pornographic completely? It's kind of a strange debate, I think, that that kind of has been going on through the years. Um, but yeah, hentai is just that, and you know, I think the song was kind of based on just how imaginative some of that stuff was. I thought to me, just it was so strange and um, you know, thought provoking in a in a different way. Um, but also, the song too is kind of just about how it was about a relationship where when it was starting, there was an openness to kind of be, be able to talk about anything in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like you, 
the setting was that we were completely like we had the same like kind of thoughts like there was an open space to just like say like any way we felt it was very intimate immediately isn't that interesting the longer we know each other the less we tend to reveal yeah i think you know you kind of get like oh we don't so right in that moment yeah right at the start of it it was right at the start of that relationship it was let's just talk about concepts that were letting you know kind of spark in our imagination or our mind well, it's very interesting how you've kind of uh, funneled that into a song, especially with, with, with the dual meanings there. As you do with so many of these, uh, Greg, I, I love this record so much, and, uh, and I always enjoy what do. you put out, man. Uh, and again, congratulations. Cry is beautiful. Thanks. I really appreciate that. It's lovely to hear. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to talk about it. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, I, I can't wait to catch uh, what this sounds like live, too, out on the tour. And, uh, and otherwise, thank you for the conversation today and, uh, and, and diving into it with me. It's been a really great time, so <laughs> I hope to see you soon. All right, man. Well, uh, otherwise, take care. Yeah. We'll see you around. Yeah, take care. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. My thanks, Greg Gonzalez. The brand new Cigarettes After Sex record is called Cry, and it's out now. Now let's head back just a couple of years to when Cigarettes After Sex were about to release their debut record. That's the first time I caught up with Greg Gonzalez. And in this interview, we got to discuss the reason it had taken the better part of a decade that included sound shifts, a handful of singles, and a few broken hearts to arrive where they did. It's part two of Kyle Meredith with Cigarettes After Sex. Well, first off, I will say congratulations. After 10 years of being an artist, you now have your debut album, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> right, yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Um, I'm sure that's not lost on you how interesting that really sounds, having been an artist for as long as you no. have. But what's the, what's the story not there? Not at all. I'm sure you've been asked this, too. What's the story there? I think it was just a matter that I'd just been playing you know, music since I was about 10 years old and had kind of a lot of bands and finally had, you know, cigarettes. But that band just had such a long transformation. It started off sounding nothing like it sounds now. It sounded like a... It was really inspired by, like, Erasure and New Order and kind of, like, 80s Madonna singles. And then, like, you know, then it kind of got much darker as time went on. I got into a lot of, a lot of drum music and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just... The sound wasn't quite there. It just took quite a while for everything to... Uh, you know, form the way it needed to. It was, it was a longer period. Yeah. I was also in my hometown, El Paso, which things move a lot slower there, I think. So that was kind of part of it. When did you start to understand what this sound was becoming? Uh, or maybe even what you needed to be? Like, when was that transformation period where it finally settled? I think there was a... I had been kind of messing around with stuff forever and trying on different sounds. But I think somehow... I had some really uh, a really rough time. I had a breakup, and I also had a friend pass away pretty tragically around the same time, in early 2012. And at the same time, I discovered, or I would say, kind of went really deep into like some early 60s music that was really awful, like the Paris Sisters, and um, and also got into Mazzy Star, Red House Painters, and stuff like that. And I think that all kind of happened at once, and it helped me kind of form some sort of identity that was um, closer to myself and the stuff I was doing before. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just kind of a matter of chance of all those things happening at once. Also, the Cowboy Junkies, um, Trinity Session, that record, um, philosophically, was a big deal. So that it was like almost kind of like lightning struck at that moment, and my life was changed, and also all the the music that I used for Salvation was went really deep at that moment because I was very 
open, you know, and it really cut really deep. So I think that's kind of maybe has something to do with it. You and I are both, I think, uh, big soundtrack fans because from what I've read a yeah. few times, like they've been a really important part of my life and, and my musical okay. moments and everything. And when I listen to your record, like I get that sense that there is a quality to it that reminds me of that. And I don't know if you went for it like that to find that kind of soundtrack I don't stream, but still trying to make it sound like your own album, I guess, right? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Uh, the soundtrack thing has just been such a big thing for me. I guess because you just think of that music, right? You think of a great soundtrack, and it puts these... Uh, maybe they can kind of be more imaginative or something. They can get away with more, and it kind of opens your mind in a different way. It conjures images, and obviously it's that music is married to images, which I think is something that's powerful about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had the one of the records that I always had around... Um, when I was having a rough time sleeping or something, was uh, this Ennio Morricone collection called uh, Ennio Morricone with Love, which is just a bunch of his um, romantic soundtracks from the 60s, kind of uh, tracks from it. I think that record was really influential on me just as far as the feeling of it. It was, like I said, really romantic and very soothing and very beautiful, and that's uh, one of the big ones for me. Even though it's a compilation, it's, you know, kind of get a sense of his soundtrack work there. And he's really eclectic anyway, so it's... I liked all his, you know, I did like all his horror soundtracks, too, and, and things like that. The way you explained him was exactly the way I would explain the Cigarettes After Sex record, too, which is, you know, oh, really? okay. that romantic, chill quality. But, of course, it's it's sort of balanced out by those lyrics that if you don't listen closely, you don't understand that it is very candid. Yeah. And you write very candidly about what's going on. Is there a point? Because I know this is mostly autobiographical, too. Is there a point in any of the songs on here where you sort of second-guessed and maybe pulled back to keep a little? Or or is it all out there? I think it's mostly all out there because even when I started, I, I kind of started Cigarettes with that in mind that I was writing songs that I thought I might get in trouble for because I was talking about situations I was in that might that some people probably wouldn't want out there. <laughs> so I think I had to make some sort of step and just kind of go with that. And it felt like it was the right thing to do for my writing. And it was the most honest way I could express myself. So I think nowadays I, I just kind of, that was one lesson I kind of kept in mind. It was, you know, just kind of, if you feel like it should be there, just put it, put it out and I'll deal with any problems later. <laughs> Luckily, all the music is sweet right now. It's not, I think back then I was writing some stuff that was kind of scathing, but now it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's all pretty sweet, so I don't I haven't had any trouble with anybody getting offended or anything. <laughs> um, but no, I just I like to just be honest about things, and it seems like it's people seem to enjoy the honesty, and it seems like it's it's good for me as well. So it's it seems to work out. I mean, you can even see when artists don't put it all out there, and it's kind of a letdown. Like especially, you know, uh, away from music, oh, yeah. like the autobiographies and stuff. You're like, man, I know you're skipping over something, and it's the stuff that we want to hear. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think that was, yeah, that some of the, these autobiographies I read that weren't as interesting, like, you, I was kind of reading, like, Paul McCartney's, and I'm like, oh, I didn't, just, like, really, it was really clinical, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it was just kind of talking about, you know, you want to hear more about, like, Patti Smith's autobiography, like, that makes more sense, like, right. that's very honest, you know? Like, right. that kind of, so, so, you know, I, I respond to that, it sounds like you're saying the same thing, for sure, you know? Definitely. Well, uh, again, I, I do love this record and everything that's kind of led up to it. Um, so okay. thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I'll let you get back in there uh, to whatever's going on in the oh, club. Sure. But uh, congratulations yeah, on drinking. 10 years a debut. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Take care, Greg. All right. Take it easy. Thanks. Cigarettes After Sex. That's back from a 2017 interview where uh, Greg and I got to talk about that debut album. And again, thanks to Greg for the uh, latest conversation.
and thanks to you for checking out the episode as well. Before you get out of here again, if you're not subscribed, please do hit that subscribe button right now. You can do so wherever you get your favorite podcast from. That does include iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Podchaser, Stitcher, all the others as well. Just type in Kyle Meredith with, hit that subscribe button. And if you're already a subscriber, hopefully you can give the series a rating, leave a review, or uh, if you're on YouTube, just something in the comment box, maybe about what you liked about the interview or the songs. After that, WFPK.org. That's where you can find me Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and even more interviews. It's WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.